Uh, today's staff is Ayin Zion 77, and we are going to catch up today, if you can see by just looking at Ayin Zion, but we pick up at the top of Ayin Vav Amut Bet 76b, and we're dealing with uh, three possible answers to the question that the Gemara asked, which is, according to Rabbi Shimon, you steal a cow or a sheep from the owner, and he's Chayev Bachayus, and he has to replace it, it's a Chatas that he has to bring, or he took a neder, and therefore, because he has to replace it, even though it's Kachim, it's considered like it's his. Um, and because he'll suffer the loss when it's gone. So therefore, you have to pay him kefil, all's well and good. Then, though, you go ahead and you slaughter it, or you sell it, so you pay four and five. Well, here's the problem. When you slaughter it, it's not, it cannot be eaten. It's Kachim. It's either Kachim slaughtered, well, we're assuming Kachim slaughtered out of the base of Mikdash. So, you know, a sanctified dead animal is uh, forbidden to derive benefit from. And Rabbi Shimon himself is the one that says that an act of shechita that does not make the meat permissible to be eaten is not considered an act of shechita. So how do you get the case of four and five? So we basically have um, three answers. Two variations of Rabbi Yochanan and then a Reish Lakish. But basically Rabbi Yochanan answers are you slaughtered it in the base of Mikdash. Either you slaughtered it not uh, for the sake of the owners, but then the Gemara's question is, but then you're not Chayev because then it was a way of giving it back to the owners. So the Gemara says, okay, but that's what you, the purpose you did it, but then the blood was spilled. So in the end, it never made it, it never, the owners never got credit for it in the Beis HaMikdash. So it turns out that it was a continued act of Geneva, but because of the act of slaughtering, basically, you know, in the end, the goal was for the blood to be sprinkled, so, uh, thrown, I should say. So then it was a Shechita Ru'uya, a Shechita that would have made, at least had the potential of making the, the meat permissible, although that's exactly what we're about to explore. The other answer, according to Rabbi Yochanan, maybe even an easier one, is you shechted it in the base of Mikdash, not for the sake of the owners. So then the owner doesn't get credit um, because um, it's not a returning to the owners but the meat can be eaten because it's going to be eaten by the Kohanim it'll be eaten by you who brought it if it's a Shlamim um, um, and therefore it is a Shechita Ruya. the third explanation so those are two variations of Rabbi Yochanan two ways of bringing it in the Beis HaMikdash and the third explanation is according to Rish Lakish that you shechted it out of the Beis HaMikdash but it had a blemish and because it had a blemish well first of all you're not Chayev for Shechut Echut because it's not Roy Lepetacho Amoed you couldn't have brought it as a Korban but we don't really care whether you violate it or not I mean God cares but that's not our interest our interest is whether the meat could be eaten and as we're about to see the fact that it had a blemish means that it could be redeemed <coughs> you could redeem it because it was not since it wasn't since it wasn't fit for going to the Mizbeach the altar because of the blemish it could be redeemed okay and there, so that presumably is what makes, what makes the meat fit its potential to be redeemed so that's now what the Gemara is going to explore that in at least two out of those three cases either the blood was spilled or the blood or could have been redeemed um, it still at the time you slaughtered it wasn't fit to be eaten it needed the blood to be thrown it needed to be redeemed and so on so why does that still count as a good shrita yes Michael the interesting here is clearly the Gemara is not considering this technically a kazoo which case it would be a problem to begin with it would not be a little problem with Shem but you're bringing it for but gazul is the pasul of gazul for a korban is you steal it and you sanctify it it can't be your korban this is the owner's korban that somebody else is bringing for the owner the fact that an act of I understand 
understand. You're right. It does not, that, does, that is the assumption that that does not make it a gazul. I mean, it is a gazul, but it's not a gazul right. from the perspective. Right. Correct. You're correct about that. Okay, so let's take a look at the Gemara. Okay? So we'll start from the top of Ayn Vavam and Bet. Let's read the third answer I just said of the Reish Lakish answer. Reish Lakish, Amar B'Shochei Pali Mumin B'Chutz. You shechted it out of the way. It's a mikdash. It's a Balmum. You're not chayev. But more importantly, because it's a Balmum, it could be redeemed. And therefore, it's considered a Shechita Ruya. So Taiba, Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Eliezer. Now, whenever I read the word Taiba, I always think it means like, like to be Tohe, was astounded. The Rashi insists that the word here means he was smelled it. Okay? Because from the word, like there's a Gemara Toe, you know, Bastiha, which basically means he was like, like, what's going on here? Okay? Like, it doesn't have to sniff test. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, he was trying to figure out, like, how does this make sense? Okay? One minute. How does this make sense? Rabbi Yochanan, according to Rabbi Yochanan, that you brought it as a Korban in the base of Mikdash, Shechita Mat, Shechita Materes, is it the Shechita what makes the meat edible? So it was Rika Materes, you need the throwing of the blood. So it wasn't fit to be eaten at the moment of Shechita. So, so still, why is it a Shechita Reuia? If it's shechted as a balmum out of the basement dish, is it the shechita that makes it permissible? You need it to be redeemed, otherwise it's kachim and atasar behana. Okay, now by the way, Tosa says that the question of zrika materes, because just asking general, according to Rabbi Yochanan, when you shecht a korban in the Deis HaMikdash, is it considered a shechita ruuya because it doesn't have the blood thrown? So a lot of these big Tosas deal with the case of, let's say, there's an iser, otoves beno losi Right, you can't check the mother and a child, you know, calf, or, you know, or whatever sheep on the same day. Let's say I do, and I check the child sheep. I checked the mother earlier today, and the child I bring to as a korban in the base of mikdash, and I check it in the base of mikdash. So would you say, oh, shechita shenaruya, because at the moment you checked it, you couldn't eat the meat because you didn't throw the blood yet, right? So, so Tosa says, no, no, no. If eventually you throw the blood, then of course it was a shechita ruya. The question in the Gemara here is not this answer of Rabbi that was brought if the blood is thrown then we look, retroactively look back and we say the shechita was part of the process of making it mutter and eventually it did become mutter the question is the scenario that the blood was spilled or the scenario that it was shechted out of the base of Nikdash in that case the meat never never became permissible okay and since it never became permissible okay and it's too late now to throw the blood it's spilled and Puzzles assumes it might also be too late to redeem it that's an interesting question can you redeem an animal that was once living that's now dead it's a whole question which I don't want to get into but anyway that's what Tosa says the real question is it's too late to do anything about it and uh, therefore it was not the Shita didn't matter it okay but if, if you did throw the blood eventually you know then Tosa will say well then that's more obvious that that would be okay alright yes uh, but I understand why we need to say what happens in the end at the moment you're doing it, it, it I understand but Tosa is trying to deal with other Gemaras and you would say a Shita's Kachim is never considered a Shita Ruya Tosa doesn't want to say that. It's like as long as like and there's no other you know ma'akev beforehand. Then it's but no, you need the blood to be thrown. Every country you need the blood to be thrown. So you're basically agreeing with Tosos. Right. It's only a problem when the blood wasn't thrown. Okay? Anyway, so the Gemara isn't clear about that. Rashi assumes it's a question either way. All right? But sir, so, number one, it needs a second act. So maybe that alone is enough to say it should not be a shechita ruya. Or minimal, or, or certainly it's a problem when it's too late to do that second act. Okay? When the second act wasn't done and maybe can't be done. So how can you say it was a shechita ruya? All right? So the Gemara says, so you 
Tamiditeh, he forgot Had um, Rebbe Shimon. What the Tikkun of Rebbe Shimon? Again, it's the, also another Rebbe Shimon. So it's all these Rebbe Shimons coming together. The Rebbe Shimon says, "Kol only Dami." Anything that was fit for having the blood thrown is like it was thrown. And this is going to be now. There's always a question whenever you say "Kol Ha'Omid," is it like X happened? You know, what do we mean? It's like that X happened. So you mean like, oh, okay. So I brought my korban even without getting the blood thrown on the altar because it was fit for having it done. Like, no, of course not. Like, you need to throw the blood to get kapara. But what it means here in all the cases we're going to be looking at are basically exactly the same question. Can I view it as if the meat is fit to be eaten? Okay, so it's not a question of what I say my obligation. Let's say, for example, oh, let's read the next line. If it was fit for the blood to be thrown, it was like was thrown. So call only lift out, it was fit for the animal to be redeemed. It's like it was redeemed. Now, it doesn't mean that literally. If I didn't redeem it and I got benefit from it, I would be high from the ila. I got improper benefit from hekdish. If I didn't throw the blood just because I could have thrown the blood, I didn't get atonement, my korban wasn't brought. But what it means is specifically in the scenario of do I consider this meat as being considered roy la'achila? Right? Even though the word roy is a hypothetical, right? It's, is it fit to be eaten? Fit? Well, theoretically it was fit because you could have done something to have made it fit. So if it's considered to be a good shkita to have made the meat fit, if there was a scenario where it should have had the blood thrown, it should have been redeemed, and that would have made it fit, that's considered to be a good shkita. Okay, so let's take a look. Um, okay, Ditanya. Now, where you see this in Rebbe Shimon, by another halacha that's to define the food as considered to be food. One way we want it to the meat to be food is to be a good shrita. The other way we want meat to be considered food is the question of, is it mekabel tumah? If something tamay touches it, it only becomes food. It only gets tumah if, if it's considered to be food. So let's take a look. Ditanya, we turn the bris. Rebbe Shimon Omer. Yesh noter shehu metamei tumat ochlin. There's a type of a notar, leftover meat of a sacrifice, that can have the tuma of food stuff. And there's a type that cannot. And basically the, answer, the difference is, is that, is it fit to be eaten? Now, when something actually becomes notar, the mitzvah, what's the mitzvah to do with meat that's notar, that's leftover? Burn it. Burn it. Burn it. Okay. Anyway, that's, everybody get that? Anybody get that reference? No. Okay, fine. <laughs> I'll tell you afterwards. Uh, anyway, <laughs> um, so... Um, so, so that's not fit to be eaten. But meat doesn't start its life as notar. First, it's meat that first it's like korban meat, and then you left it over too long. So he says, in a scenario where the meat could have been eaten before it became notar, even though now it's notar, it's still considered food. If it started its life as being edible, but if it did not start its life as being edible, then it, it's not food. A similar idea to what he says about shrita, right? Shrita isn't shrita unless it makes the meat edible. Meat is not. Considered food unless the meat was edible, as, but it ha- as long as it was edible at, at the beginning of its life, it's considered food and can become the tumah. Well, let's take a look at the. Well, let's take a look at the case. Okay, so he says, "Kesad." Um, what's the case? Lanlifnezrika. If it the meat slept over, meaning it waited too long, you know, the night passed, and you didn't throw the blood, then the blood was never thrown. It was never fit to be eaten. So it's not food, and doesn't get the tumor food and stuff. And it can't be something else. And it, exactly. If it's after Zrika, then it was fit to be eaten. So even though now it no longer is, because it's no tar, it does have the tumor food stuff. Okay, but, now, but that itself doesn't tell, tell, tell idea of Kohoroi, 
But then the Gemara says, but this is a statement that we've analyzed elsewhere, and we've analyzed it elsewhere. Here's the conclusion we've reached. The Kaimalan, where have the, we, we have concluded regarding this statement, what does it mean that it became notar before the blood was thrown? It, or it means, before it ever became fit for having the blood being thrown. If it became notar after the blood was thrown, it does not mean the blood literally was thrown. It means, if as long as there was a moment where the blood could have been thrown, then it's considered already to be food and can become tamay. What would be the different? What would be the scenarios? It was never fit. It was. It was. It was fit. lan What's a case where it became? It, it stayed overnight before it was ever fit to have the blood thrown. There wasn't time to do this rika in the day. You shechted it a minute before nightfall. Okay, before sunset, and you could only throw the blood and do the avod in the mikdash um, while it's still daylight. So by the time you caught the blood, there was not a mamish. The clock struck twelve or six or whatever it struck the moment the blood was caught. So there was not a moment to throw the blood on the altar. And in that case, and then the night passed, so the meat slept over the night without it ever having even had an opportunity to have the blood being put on the altar. That's a case where it's not food. It never even could have had the blood thrown. One minute. Okay. Obviously. Okay. Time to um, now. Um, is it was after it was fit the having shows the only misery okay you shechted it not a minute before nightfall not a minute before sunset so you had the opportunity to throw the blood because you had the opportunity to throw the blood even if you never did it's as if you threw the blood for the purpose of saying this meat in theory was fit to be eaten and since in theory it was fit to be eaten because you could have thrown the blood now it's fit to become the to, to have to get the tumor of foodstuffs and in that case, Matami Tumas Ochlim, it can't get the food tuma. Alma, you see from this, Kol Omed Lizro Kizaruk Tami. It's like the blood was thrown again. Not like the blood was thrown, like you get atonement for your sacrifice, but because it had that opportunity, it's considered as if theoretically that it could have been edible, and that makes it considered food, and it can get the tuma of food. And, stuff. That's, why and that's why, that's well, the same way, and it's a very similar, it's, again, it's not the exact same, that's not defining shrita, that's defining food, but it's very similar. Because the goal of Shita Reuya is to say you made turn this thing into edible meat. So therefore, since the blood could have been thrown, even if a minute later it was spilled, if at the time of Shita it was the theoretical to be thrown, that's as if the meat is edible for the purpose of food stuff, and as if the meat is edible for defining it as a Shita Reuya. So you can have a scenario of spilling the blood and not and, the, and nevertheless be high for Arba of Hanisha because it could have been thrown and that's enough to define it as a Shita Reuya. Yes, John. Two questions. You shut the animal, you sprinkle the blood, and then, so in theory it's fit to eat, but then you discover it's a trefa. Yeah, well that's it's not... It's really fit to eat. No, no. Then it's not a shkita That would be a perfect example of a shkita shainarudia, because then it was never fit. Okay. Second, yeah. second yeah. Um, the second case where you shecked it right before the end of the day. Right. That, in practice, that would seem to be only possible with the carbon pesic because... Normally, the last uh, carbon would be the carbon time. Yeah, yeah, although the idea that if you got out of order, it's still kosher, but that's a good point. Okay, so now the Gemara says like this. Um, okay, so that's the case that it should, the blood should have been thrown. Now, that, and, and that defines it as fit to be eaten, the meat. And now we're going to say the same thing about the Reish Lakish's answer, where it was a Baal Mum checked it out of the base of Mikdash, where even if you never redeemed it, and maybe according to us, you're not even able to redeem it after, after it's dead, because it was fit 
fit to be redeemed, that also makes it considered to be food, okay, and a good shita. Okay? Where do you get this? Rabbi Shimon Omer. Rabbi Shimon says, Notice how it's all Rabbi Shimon. It's beautiful. All the Rabbi Shimons are coming together. Okay? So now you can just remember those eight words and you can learn an Amr of, of Gemara every second. Okay, so anyway, a para, para Duma. Okay, which by the way, interestingly, a paraduma is considered kache uh, bedekabai, it's not kache mizbeach, because it's not actual korban, although it's similar to a korban, it's a fascinating sort of hybrid status of a paraduma. Okay, you, and the question is, if some, same question of tumas ochlim, can it reject the tumor of food stuff? If something tame touches it, will it become tame? Now, if you're wondering what this huge process is about. Are you able to use it for chata? Um, no, that's not so much the question as whether it just becomes coming will it transfer the tumor, whatever. It's not about invalidating it. You're not eating it anyway. Correct. Okay. Now, if you're wondering what this huge tosis is about, I'll just tell you. One of the things this huge tosis is about is about the fact that one minute, I thought a part of tumor causes people to become tummy. It itself is a source of tumor. Mm-hmm. So if a part of tumor is itself a source of tumor, why does it have to talk about a scenario where it gets tumor from outside? Okay, so tosis tries to work through that. But the simple answer is that it's only a source of tumor if you're involved in the process of uh, of of making it into the ashes and so on, not just simple touching, would not be a source of tumor. But anyway, so can a para aduma that was shechted be considered food? Okay, now again, it's never meant. The meat is never meant to be eaten. It's not like bringing a korban in the base of mikdash where you or the kohanim will eat the meat. It's meant to be burned. Okay, it's kadshim. You're not allowed to eat kadshim. So when is it ever considered food? How could it be considered food to get tumas ochlim? So it says it can get tumas ochlim. Why? Where? What's the scenario that it could be eaten it had a moment where it could have been eaten what was that moment so we're going to explain turn the um, turn the page Again, notice it's again a Reish Lakish and Reb Shimon, it's all the same players. Reb Shimon used to say, A para could be redeemed even you have the dead carcass sitting on top of the, of the uh, pyre, right? You know, the pile of wood, you're about to light it, you know, you're about to start burning it, okay? And the moment before you start burning it, you could decide, you know what? It's sort of like, you know, we should do this better. Like, I found a better para duma. Maybe I didn't have the right kavanas. I'm just teasing about that. Anyway, so let's go ahead. We'll redeem it. We'll start the, we'll start, right, we'll, we'll start the whole process again. Even up to the last minute. Now, Tosa says, broadly, Tosa says, presumably we're talking before you did this Rika Saddam. Like, once you did this Rika Saddam, you know, that's it. But okay. But up to, almost up to the last minute, you can redeem it and start the process again. Okay? So there you go. It's fit to be redeemed. So the fact that it's fit to be redeemed, even though there's no mitzvah to redeem it, and this way it's a bigger chiddush than this rikas adam, because there is a mitzvah to throw the blood of the blood of a korban. But here, there's no mitzvah to redeem it. It's just in theory you could redeem it. It's enough to make the thing considered to be food, since it had a moment where it could have been redeemed and it could have been edible after it was shechted. It's food and it can become tameh. And similarly, when I shech this balmum, this animal with a blemish outside the base of mikdash for a shlakish, that is considered a shechita ruuya because the food in theory could be eaten if I were to just redeem it. Okay? Alma, you see, anything that's fit to be redeemed is like it was redeemed. See, that was such an easy Gemara. Now, I'm serious. Like, conceptually, what we just read is not hard. It's, it's a, we are compared to stuff we've been dealing with. But Tosos, you know, has these big other questions that are not relevant to us. So it makes today's 
stop an easy one. Okay, so now the Gemara says like this: Be shlema, Rabbi Yochanan. Don't worry when there's a big rush. Exactly, big tosafim you often do not have to worry. Be shlema, and not only that, relative to other tosafim, those are not hard tosafim. I mean, I know it sounds counterintuitive, but anyway, just law. Be shlema, Rabbi Yochanan, Lama Kriv Shimon Lakish. Now the Gemara has got got it. I got now the pshat, the pshat of why the shchitos kachim yichai four and five is either it was a korban brought in the base on mikdash or it was balmum shechted outside in theory it could have been eaten if you have thrown the blood or redeemed it shechita reuya now let's figure out why Reb Yochanan didn't give Reish Lakish's answer and vice versa Reb Yochanan didn't say Reish Lakish that it was a balmum shechted out of the base on mikdash the kabai okay the kabai he didn't want to limit our mission to a case of balmum he didn't disagree with Reish Lakish sure if it was a balmum that would also be a scenario but I don't want to limit our mission to that case our mission could apply even if the animal was unblemished and you brought it in the base of Mikdash why did Reish Lakish not give Reb Yochanan scenario an unblemished animal brought in the base of Mikdash he'll say, he'll say to you a new point about Tzvich and Mechira you slaughter it or you sell it you're only chayev for shechting it if you could have been chayev for selling it and vice versa if you can't be high for selling it, less of between you're not high for shechting it. So what does that mean? It means an unblemished animal you can't sell, right? Because selling, if I were to try to sell my korban to Charlie here and it was unblemished, it wouldn't be a sale. He can't take possession of it. If it was blemished, I could sell it because the act of selling the money he gives me could be an act of transferring the kedusha to the money, and because so it has that, a blemish. Uh, I'm not exactly sure, but anyway, but at least in theory it's possible. Okay, certainly you could say that that's what you're doing. Um, and um, so therefore since it could be sold I'm also I'm high there's a scenario I could be high for selling it I'm high for slaughtering it but if it was unblemished and there was not a scenario where I could be high for selling it because no sale could take place I'm not even high for slaughtering it so there's a new idea of of, of Tvich and Mechira for Reish Lakish that you have to be able to be high for one to be high for the other if you try to sell a korban without a blemish, it's not a sale. Oh, you're not chayv even if slaughtered. What? I know, which is even which, funny. Which is, yeah, I understand. Which means, if anything, it's independent. I, I understand, which is why it's funny that the Gemara uh, had a vav in the our text of the Gemara, even though the side changes it back to the O. Yeah, I don't know exactly, but you know, the fact that it's just talking about it in the same breath, but you're right. Exactly why it's seen as this tight connection, I don't know. Okay, that's what Rabbi that's what Reish Lakish says and the Gemara says and guess what we actually know that this is a debate of Rabbi Yochanan and Reish Lakish so it exactly parallels why they chose Rabbi Yochanan chose to say Tmimim and Reish Lakish says Baumimim we're not even making this up okay this actually they are known to have debated this question of is the Chiv of Shechita and Mechira do you have to be theoretically able to be high for one to be high for the other Tidmar was taught Hamochet Trefa let's have a flip case where you can't be high for Shechita could you be high for Mechira you sell an animal that's a Trefa now according to Reb Shimon Charlie you just gave this case you can't be high for Shechita because the Shechita will never make the meat edible good so according to Reb Shimon are you high if you sell it for four and five if you could never be high for Shechting it okay Hamochet Trefa Lediva Reb Shimon Reb Yochanan are high you're still high Mechira you're high for Shechita you're not Reb Yochanan you're exempt Reb Yochanan are high Avagav the less of Betvicha although you can't be high for Shechting it Isa Bimechira for selling, no, you're exempt. Even the less of 
can't be high for one, you can't be high for the other. In, in the Kachim case of a, without a blemish, you're not high for Mechira, so therefore you're not high for Shrita. In this case, you're not high for Shrita, so therefore you're not high for Mechira. Okay. So the Gemara says, Eser, Reb Yochan, Reish Lakish, Reb Yochan, Challenge Reish Lakish. Here we have a Breita. Gun of Kilayim. You stole a hybrid animal, an animal that was a cross between. Rashi says, "What's kilayim?" Rashi says, uh, "Rashi says, what does Rashi say?" Nikivsa v'tayash. What's a tayash? Tayish, right? Like a goat, right? A goat? Oh, right, a goat. Okay, fine. Right, okay. Can you make a hybrid between a sheep and a goat? We looked at that when we were doing cool and we discovered they've actually done that. Okay. So you, an animal here is a crossbreed of a sheep and a goat. Okay? So, now, gun of kilayim. Now, the funny thing here is, the reason that this is a chidish to say yachayah for shechita mechira is the Torah says, kignovi shor oseh. So, is this a seh? A say includes a a you know both you know like 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 would a say include a, a you know a goat a something that's a hybrid of a goat and a sheep okay yeah I know so let's take a look okay so it says ganav kilayim you you stole a crossbreed vitvacha and you slaughtered it treifa umechara or a treifa and you sold it mashan tashlumayarbavachamisha you pay four and five so yes kilayim is considered a say okay and selling a treifa yechayev even though presumably this is Rabbi Yochanan's question. Why did it talk about selling a trefa? Because presumably, shechting a trefa, you'd be exempt. But selling a trefa, you're going to be chayef. She says, my love, are we not talking Rabbi Shimon? According to Rabbi Shimon. That's why it's a chiddish to say trefa. Alma, you see, avagav dulesa even though you're not chayef for shechting the trefa, isa b'mechira, you're chayef for selling. Because obviously, this is Rabbi Shimon. Why else would it say selling a trefa? Obviously, that's the point. Amalais, Rabbi Yochanan, says back, no, low Rabbanan. No, it's the Rabbanan. And it says Trefa because to tell you that they're not concerned with Rebbe, with uh, Shechita Shainaruya. So they fucking says one minute. The Gavin says back. E Rabbanan, Trefa b'mechiri isa b'zicha lesa? So he says, I don't get it. If it's the Rabbanan, why talk about just selling a Trefa? Talk about shechting the Trefa. It's a bigger Chiddush. Right? Ve'ela, so, so, so he says back, sorry, Shaki says back to him, Ve'elamai. Reb Shimon, you want to say it's Reb Shimon, and that's why we talk about selling a trefa, because shechning a trefa, you're exempt. But if, it's, but if that's true, kilai, why when it gives the case of the crossbreed, kilayim, why does it talk about shechting a kilayim? Why doesn't it talk about shechting or selling a, kila, a, a kilayim? Betvichayisim and mechira lesa? So, look, this this right is weird, because it only gives one scenario for each. It talks about about shechting a kilayim or selling a trefa. So whatever you say about the trefa case, kilayim, obviously, it's the same whether you shecht it or sell it. So it's just taking one scenario for each, but it doesn't mean to exclude the other scenario. Okay, so that's what Reish Lakish says. So he says, Okay, so therefore, you know what? Even if it were Reb Shimon, when we're talking about the kilayim, it wouldn't be limited to shechting. It would mean shechting or selling. So I'm so I'm going to say the whole bright is the Rabbanan and it's not meant to say only this scenario so the Brighta says or selling 
a trefa. So Reb Yolanan is certainly right. By talking about selling a trefa, it sounds like shechting a trefa, you'd be exempt. Selling a trefa, you're chayev. But Reish Saki says, look, it's a weird brighta because it only gives one scenario for each case. One scenario for kilayim and one scenario for trefa. So I'm going to say this whole brighta is Rabbanan and uh, it says one scenario but it really means either scenario. Okay, which is a pretty weak answer as Reb Yochanan is about to say. So the Gemara says back to him, um, Hi Mai, what type of a what type of an answer is that? If the bright is Rib Shimon, I need to tell you, since the case of a trefa could only be one scenario, could only be the selling scenario, because the shechting scenario you're exempt. So once we're going to talk about a trefa by selling, because we have to be talking about a trefa by selling, a trefa by shechting your potter, so we're going to give the other case by the kilayim. We'll say, okay, a trefa by selling or kilayim by shechting. Now we got everything covered. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, why? We, because we had to pick one case by the trefa. Um, but if it's the Rabbana, Narvina beneath you. It doesn't make any sense why we give them separate descriptions and we, we pick one for each one of them. Put it all in the same category. Gun of Kilayim betrefa. If you stole the Kilayim or a trefa, Tavchan and if you shechted them or you sold them, That's what it should have said. It is so bizarre that it separates them out and gives different scenarios. So the Gemara says, Kasha, fine, you're right. This Brisa is, that's, I, I don't have a good explanation about why it said it this way. I'm not conceding the point. I'm still going to say the bright is talking according to the Rabbanan, but you're right. It's bizarre that it gives one scenario for the Kilayim and one for the Shrita. Not only that, what the Gemara should have made is even a stronger point, which is if there's no Kiddush according to the Rabbanan about selling Trefa. If it really was the Rabbanan, then it, then it was going to pick one scenario by the Trefa. It should have been Shechting Trefa. That's the Kiddush, right? The Rabbanan disagree with Rabbi Shemin and say, even if the meat can't be eaten, you're Chayev. So, you know, why give the scenario of selling Trefa, which isn't the Chiddush at all gives a scenario of shechting the trefa. So Rabbi Yochanan is clearly right that the shot of the Breitah is that it's going according to Rabbi Shimon and it's telling you that by a trefa, even though you'd be exempt by shechting it, you're chai for selling it. So that's their debate about do you need to be able to be chai of one in order to be chai of the other. But now we've also introduced the kilayim issue, so now we're going to switch gears and talk about the kilayim, about the crossbreed. So let's take a look. Okay, so the Gemara says like this. Kilayim, why are you chayv by kilayim for, for um, what do you call it, for uh, slaughtering or selling? Sexy, it says, if a person kills a sheep. Okay? The Amar Rava, and Rava says, Zebneyav, this is a, uh, a paradigm. Excuse me. Kol makam shenemar se, anytime the church just says the word se by itself. Um, uh, hold on, let me just check Rashi a minute. Hold on a second. Okay, fine. And every time it says, any time it says the word se by itself, um, the word se by itself is meant to say not a crossbreed. So how can we say, okay, we've had, we've had, we've had a debate about whether you, in order to be high for one, you have to be high for the other. And that's a question about selling a tray for Queen Trib Shimon. But we can all agree that the Brighta says, you're high for Kilayim. Why is that? The Torah says se, and Rava teaches us that anytime the Torah says se, we should assume 
that a crossbreed is excluded. Okay, is that Lahuti Asiklayim? Mosh says, Shani Hachadamar Kra O, Liravas Asiklayim. It says, Shur Oseh. And that extra O, it seemed to be extra, comes to tell us it doesn't have to be exactly a Seh, it could even be a crossbreed. So Mosh says, One minute. Shachol O, Liravasu, anytime it says the word O or a sheep or this animal, it's coming to mean even not exactly that animal, even some type of a crossbreed. But I'll tell you, show you the exact opposite. Vatanya, we taught in the Brisa. Sure, O Kesev O A's right? This is talking about a type of an animal that you bring, you know, you wait for the A state to bring it as a korban, but it's basically also talking about what type of an animal can be brought as a korban. So it says, Sure, O Kesev, an ox or a lamb, um, or, or sheep. Prat, Likilayim. So the O Kesev is to exclude some crossbreed. Okay? O A's, Sure, O Kesev O A's, Kivalade, an ox or a sheep or a goat if it's born. So what's the extra O teaching you about the ox? Prat, Linidme, to exclude a animal that even looks different. If it's born from two sheep and it looks like a goat, okay, even though it, even though it uh, you know, ge- uh, genetically is a sheep, nevertheless, that's also a puzzle for a korban. That's even less than a key line. That just looks different. It's not actually a hybrid. Anyway, the point, though, being, the words O here, rather than broadening the category, are seen as explicitly excluding things that are not exactly these. Okay, so what's the story? Does O broaden and you're high of four and five for the case of stealing a, a hybrid? Or does O exclude, like by the korban, and you can't bring a korban from a hybrid? So the Gemara says, I'm a Rava. What's the answer? It says Rava. In each case, we're interpreting the O based on the context in the Pasuk. How is that true? When it comes by burglary, to see sure Ose. An, an ox or a sheep. If we would have said an ox and a sheep, okay, an ox and a sheep cannot crossbreed. Okay, and a sheep and a goat presumably yes, but an ox and a sheep cannot. Okay, so by just saying ox and sheep, putting those words next to each other, implicitly it means no crossbreeds because ox and sheep are not crossbreedable. So by talking about just those two, the implication would be no crossbreeds because that's you know implicit about those two by themselves it would be true even about a crossbreed of a sheep and a goat so that's if I would have just had them by themselves without the O I would have said no crossbreeds okay um, O Lerabo so then comes the O so the O is coming to tell me the opposite of what I assumed yes crossbreeds that's in the case of Geneva O Lerabo's Kilaim Gabi Kodshim to receive Kesev Ve'ez had it just written a sheep and a goat right because by Kodshim it says sure O Kesev Ve'ez by Geneva it just says Sure, o and you can't crossbreed a shore and a seh. But by Kachim it says, Sure, o kesev o a's, a sheep and a goat, and a sheep and a goat could be crossbred. So by having them juxtaposed, it would have suggested crossbreed, yes, because crossbreeds are possible. A crossbreed is possible with a sheep and a goat. I would have thought that, so because by themselves I would have thought, yes, crossbreeds, the O is coming to tell me the opposite. O lemaitu. So the O is coming to tell me no crossbreeds. Okay? The funny thing about all of this 
is that which Tosus asks is that where do you ever use a Rava's principle that the word Seb by itself excludes crossbreeds because here it basically says you know you go one way or the other you know you don't, you're not clear where you start in one case you start in one position in the other case you start in the other doesn't seem like there's any rule which is the default position okay but anyway the basic answer is that by Geneva we use the O to include crossbreeds because we would have started with an assumption they're excluded and by Kudchen we use the O to exclude them and not only exclude crossbreeds even exclude things that don't look like their parents um, and that's because we would have started by assuming they were included alright so we're, so we're 20 minutes ahead of schedule let's get a little bit further okay oh my god that's true we, let's, let's worry you got a month to worry about that so the Lord says okay the had gabe kachim nami nemashoro kesev one minute you can't, why do you start by the Kesev, the A's, which suggests crossbreeds, and then the oak tells you the opposite? Start by the beginning of the Pasuk. The beginning of the Pasuk says, Sure, O Kesev. And an ox and a sheep suggests no crossbreeds. So why not start there and say the O is coming to include? Right? Got it? Why start at the end of the Pasuk and say the O is coming to exclude? Start at the beginning of the Pasuk where it sounds like crossbreeds are excluded and say the O is coming to include. So the Gemara says, Venarbi, um, Venarbi, and then we'll include crossbreeds. No, it means the same for the might, Rachel, not the might. If you know, says the Gemara, if you start at the end, then the O is clearly coming to exclude. So the O in the beginning is also coming to exclude. And remember, what we excluded from the other O was a nidme, something that lo- did not look like its parent. The Gemara says, one minute? That's not an answer. Why start at the end and, and assume exclusion? Start at the beginning and assume inclusion. So the Gemara says, um, Let's start at the beginning. Say O is coming to include Kilayim. And then say the Nile of the Rabbis. We'll use the O at the end to also be inclu- you know, include more animals. But says, hi, my. What type of an answer is that? If you're saying the O is coming to exclude, who do you strict train to? That's when you need to exclude twice. First, you exclude Kilayim, a genuine crossbreed. And then you exclude from the other O, even an animal that really is. Is a, a purebred biological offspring or whatever just because it looks different. Okay? So just because you excluded the more severe case, you needed another O to exclude the less severe case. Okay? Even though you've already excluded crossbreeds, because sure in A's implies yes, crossbreeds, the O excludes them, it's strictly mutinisme. You need the other O to exclude an animal that doesn't look like its parents. But if you started by saying Shur and Kesev implies no Kilayim. The O comes to include Kilayim. Once you've included Kilayim, what's left to include? Of course, an animal that's just looked and looks different would be included if you're including a genuine Kilayim. If you start at the beginning of the Pasuk and the O comes to include Kilayim, why do you need to be more inclusive? What else is left to include after you've included Kilayim? If you're including Kilayim, so do you even need to include Nidma? I mean, Nidma is mamish, a purebred biological offspring. It just looks a little different. So if the O is already including, you're not going to need the other O. So clearly we're going to start at the end of the Pasuk and say the O excludes Kilayim, and then we'll need the other O to exclude not just a Kilayim case, but even a Nidma case. Okay. Um, let's, um, so then the Gemara is going to ask the question that I just said a minute ago, which is then, what, whenever do you go by Rav, that the default of the word Seb means to exclude Kilayim, since here we didn't 
didn't even start with a default. We started in one place, we assumed yes, one place no. Whenever does this default idea pl- apply, we'll pick up with that tomorrow. So you get a little free time now.